Welcome to Talking New Energy, a podcast from Delta EE, the new energy experts. We'll be talking about how the energy transition is developing across Europe, with guests who are working at the leading edge of this transition. Hello and welcome to the episode. Today we're talking about charging electric vehicles and specifically optimising when electric vehicles are charging at home. Home is where most people, if they can, will charge their vehicles. And some people are already being smart about when they charge at home. For example, it might be to maximise self-consumption from their solar panels. And as electric vehicle sales keep increasing, companies in the electricity system value chain will want to avoid the impacts of everyone plugging in at the same time. And they'll also want to utilise the benefits that flexible charging can bring. Today, we're joined by two companies helping customers and the electricity sector do exactly that, optimise when electric vehicles are charging at home. So let me introduce my three guests. Um, first, Carsten Brunn, Managing Director at BG. Hello, Carsten. Hi, thanks for having me. And uh, Thanks for joining. Carsten, for those listeners that don't know BG, can you give us an elevator pitch for BG, please? Yeah, sure, happy to. Um, BG is a 100% subsidiary of MVV Energie AG, a German utility. Um, we were founded in 2014, so we still consider ourselves a rather young company. Um, we are a full service provider of decentral energy management solutions, focusing on the B2C segment. And we uh, follow a white label approach. I think this is important. Uh, we don't sell to end customers directly. We sell via B2B clients who we enable to offer our solutions under their own brands to their end customers. And in terms of uh, service range, we offer turnkey PV systems and also the smallest chunk would be um, services only like smart charging services. Okay, so you're offering both some hardware like the PV uh, uh, hardware that you described and also the optimization or either of those exactly you can have either the full package or you can choose whatever you like from us okay and are you active uh in the german market only or also elsewhere at the moment so far we are only acting on the german market we are all but we are eyeing towards austria and switzerland of course yep okay the normal normal dax markets yes uh, okay, thanks, Carsten. We'll come back to you shortly. My next guest is Nick Woolley, CEO and co-founder at EV.Energy. Hello, Nick. Hi, John. Uh, Nick, uh, likewise, not all of our listeners will know EV.Energy. You're a relatively young company. Can you tell us a bit about who you are and what you do? Sure, happy to. So EV Energy essentially is an app and a software platform that delivers greener, cheaper and smarter electric vehicle charging to end customers. So the problem that we solve is most electric vehicle owners come home, they plug in their electric vehicle in the early evening at exactly the peak in residential energy consumption. And that peak charging is really bad for the environment. It's expensive and it's bad for the electricity grid. And so to solve that challenge, we've built a platform that communicates with cars, chargers and uses software to make charging greener by automatically pairing it with renewables like solar on your roof, uh, wind turbines on the grid, cheaper by charging at times when wholesale prices are lowest and smarter by charging at times that are best for the grid. 
Um, similar to BG, we work in hand in hand with energy companies, and we've got clients in Europe, the US, and the uh, the Australia. Uh, and we've been going for a couple of years now. Okay, so as your name suggests, EV.energy, you're coming at this very much from the EV angle. Uh, Carsten, you're coming at this from the wider decentralized energy angle. So you're optimizing electric vehicle charging, but also uh, BG's business involves solar panels and I presume batteries and electric heating, for example. Exactly. Our approach is uh, we uh, optimize the household of a customer, everything that's beyond the uh, grid meter. And uh, of course, EV is a very important part because it's a big consumer, but it's uh, it's one part of the bigger puzzle that needs yeah. to be optimized. Okay. And Nick, you optimize the EV, but as you said, you can then also take into account other things in the home, like solar panels. Exactly. We're very focused yeah. on delivering a service for electric vehicle owners, but clearly electric vehicle owners want to charge with home solar. So we integrate home yeah. solar as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, my third guest today is William van der Baal, one of our EV team here at Delta EE. Hello, Will. Hi, John, and thanks for having me on the podcast. Thanks for joining. Um, Will, I'd like you to, having had this intro on uh, BG and EV.energy and understand the different points that they're coming from, can you help us frame smart charging um, of electric vehicles and the different characteristics or dimensions of that? So I think it's probably best to understand what smart charging is and simply put it's controlling when the, the EV charges or how much power it is using when it is charging. And the two main reasons for controlling this electricity demand are to benefit firstly the end customer through what we call localized decision making. And an example of this is, as you mentioned earlier on in the podcast, John, it's for example, making sure I charge my EV at the right time to maximize the electricity generated by my rooftop PV system. And the second benefit okay. is to benefit the electricity system itself through what we call centralized decision making. So the EV is being grouped together with other EVs or distributed energy assets and their electricity usage is manipulated to benefit the wider electricity system. So this could be to provide grid services or wholesale energy market arbitrage. And I should probably okay. add that these two benefits are, are not mutually exclusive. Okay, so local, based on local, if the local environment or the wider electricity system environment. And in terms of how smart charging actually works, you've got three different architectures, haven't you, for, um, for smart charging? Yeah, so the smart charging system can be set up in several different ways. And at Delta EE, we have defined three broad smart charging architectures based on where the intelligence is. So firstly, we've got home-centric smart charging. So this is where the charging is controlled via a device in the home. So for example, a home energy management system or a smart meter. The yeah. second architecture is charger-centric. So this is where the charger is controlled via the charge point, and this is the most common solution in the market today. And lastly, we have car-centric smart charging. So this is where the charging is controlled via the car itself. And some companies are focusing on specific architectures, while others are developing smart charging platforms, which are able to play across all three of those architectures. Okay, so localized and centralized influences on smart charging and three fundamental ways to do it, home-centric, car-centric, charger-centric, or a platform that can work across all three. Exactly. Um, thanks very much, Will. Uh, 
Carson, let's come back to uh, BG then. So within these frameworks that we'll introduce, can you tell us a bit more about BG's approach and um, how you optimize EV charging yeah. and what for? And maybe give us some examples. Sure. Yeah, a quick one. Uh, I would definitely put us in the square you called localized optimization. So we are definitely um, home centric. Um, we use mm -hmm. all the uh, use cases optimized for charge at home use cases. Um, this includes definitely the optimization of your um, own consumption of your PV production, but is not limited to that. Uh, we can also um, charge according and in reference to central tariffs given. So yeah. it's a combination um, of a home energy management system and a platform-based approach, because we also um, add additional data, which clearly is supplied um, centrally. That means yeah. uh, we have a forecast-based optimization algorithm. So are you putting hardware in the home then, and intelligence and optimization in the home, or to what degree is that cloud-based or, or locally-based? It's um, it's two things we need. Um, we have a device uh, in the household, uh, which is a little uh, gateway, just to collect data on the one hand, and on yep. the other hand, also uh, a place we can send energy uh, schedules to. Um, yep. And the schedules are sent uh, from a central platform, which is hosted in the cloud, right? And we actually okay. steer the uh, the robots of the uh, customer, not the car itself. So we offer a schedule to the robots, and the car then decides whether it takes the offered amount of energy or not. Okay. Um, Nick, how about EV.energy? How would you think about that localized, centralized, and home-centric, car-centric, charger-centric approaches? Yeah, sure. Um, so I think, I mean, on the centralized versus localized dimension, to I think we think to operate a robust platform, you need a combination of, of both. Um, we we deliver a lot, of, a core of our intelligence sits in the cloud. We have a platform that brings in feeds from the utility, um, from different utilities in terms of prices, wholesale market signals, carbon intensity feeds and things like that. But then we're also cognizant of there's information at the local site that we also need to bring up onto our platform to coordinate and schedule devices. So, for example, we take outputs from uh, Tesla Powerwalls and bring them off onto the platform and from solar arrays, as we described right at the beginning. And what our central controller then does is it then creates a view of what the best way to charge an electric vehicle asset would be and then it pushes it down onto local devices and and what that means is that if those local devices were to lose internet connectivity because they're iot devices they would still be able to operate and to dispatch and to charge electric vehicles which is the critical thing we're doing here um as normal getting the customer ready uh, for the next time they need to use their car um, so i think we do a lot of the intelligence centrally, but we still rely on and are cognizant of a lot of us, um, the devices that exist locally as well. Um, I think that probably puts us in the position of a platform rather than being home, car or charger centric. Um, what we're trying to really do is enable a customer to charge an electric vehicle. And we think if we can integrate with a car, a charger or both, um, or solar as well, then we can enable more people to use our services and that's that's the objective we want to deliver against. So we're a platform in that respect. 
And Nick, what do you finding is most common so far in terms of whether you're reaching the or optimizing the charging via the car or via the charger or via the home? You, you say you can do all three, but are there any, is there any pattern so far emerging and where do you think that's going to go? So, I mean, the, the, the car and the charger provide us routes to uh, control charging, so start and stop charging. And so right now we've probably got about 30% of customers who are just doing it with the car, probably another 30% doing it with cars and chargers, and then the majority that have a charger that's, that's smart and connected. Um, in the home, um, there's no direct route to be able to control electric vehicles. Um, if you just integrate to say a smart meter or a Tesla yep. Powerwall or something like that. Uh, but what we can do is we can bring that information onto the platform and then we can use that to inform uh, decisions that those customers may want to take. So for example, in the US, we're working with some utility providers who we integrate their smart meter data, and then we can understand if they're they're responding to time of use signals, for example, and send them a nudge if, if they're not responding to those signals uh, yeah. to give them a cheaper energy experience. Okay. Uh, so you don't need, you can use the connectivity of the car or the connectivity of the charger to optimize the charging. Carson, mm -hmm. you're bringing things together through a gateway as you described. So uh, what's the challenge of getting that gateway into the house? Or is that normally, are you getting that in through a new PV installation, for example? T tell us a bit about, about how you're doing that. Yeah. Um, we first relied on the PV installer who would install the gateway, um, but we moved forward and uh, it's now just a simple uh, plug and play device, um, which we could send via uh, parcel to the, uh, to the client and you could just plug it in. It's, it's really easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. We also have a, a router connectivity so we can auto pair all those devices uh, from our platform centrally. So there's no installer needed. And once again, for us, it's essential to have this own device to be able to guarantee connectivity. And yep. also, and I think that's one aspect which uh, becomes more and more apparent as, as cars get uh, have yeah, bigger batteries, and that's uh, blackout prevention in the home. So I, I completely agree with Nick. You can do a lot uh, from the cloud but sometimes it's just not fast enough. You have to have certain uh, measurements at home, a home energy management system, just to prevent um, a blackout situation. Yeah, okay, so a bit a bit more hardware, or hard, some hardware needed, a little bit of extra cost, but not much as you say, because you can mail it out, but a bit more functionality there. Uh, Nick, did exactly. you, sorry, yeah. Nick, what's your views on that? Do you, did you think about that, or is it how hard or easy is it to get access via the charger or via the car? Do you need one-to-one -one commercial relationships, or with open protocols, is that now easier with some of the charge points? Yeah. So, I mean, that's a lot of the the heavy lifting that we do as a company. So we bring all of those different proprietary protocols on the charger side of things together. We do that on the vehicle side as well. Some vehicles are connected, others are just not connected, in which case there's no way of being able to control charging at all. And so our challenge is to try and unify all of those things together. But I think what the, the direction of travel is clearly towards um, more open protocols. So like OCPP, for example, in electric vehicle chargers is what you know the UK government stipulated that 
to get the OLED grant, you have to have an OCPP or equivalent functionality charger. Our direction of travel is to, towards more open standards and towards devices being IoT devices and connected such that we should be able to control them. Um, so yeah. as those devices advance, the challenge we have is to bring them all together, unify them, and then provide a service at the other side. Um, okay. Um, thanks both for explaining those approaches. We've done what I guess people in the energy sector often do, which is get quite techy. Um, I'd like to now come back to customers, which is what this is ultimately all about. Um, well, the electric in the electricity sector, as I said, we're very good about thinking about customers at the, the end of a process. Uh, Carsten and Nick, I hope you both put them at the beginning. Um, can you help us on in this discussion, uh, think a bit about customers, Will, and what, what you've found as important to customers when they're charging their electric vehicles? Do they even care about optimizing or saving a bit of money through optimizing their charging? Yeah, good, good point, John. And, and the customer's key when it when it comes to smart charging. Um, from our customer research, we've identified three key customer insights. So, firstly, customers are open to the concept of of smart charging. Around seventy five percent of them have, have found the concept appealing. And okay. even further to that, there's quite a strong correlation between um, the level of understanding and the level of appeal of smart charging. So the better the customer understands the hows and whys of smart charging, the more appealing they find it. And mm. why customers find it appealing leads me on to my second point, which is that customers are primarily motivated by the financial aspect of smart charging. So being able to save or make money from smart charging. And that, that's not to say that other aspects of smart charging, such as the environmental benefits are not important but the primary driver to, to take up smart charging is the potential for financial gain, which I guess is quite unsurprising. Um, and thirdly, customers need to be provided with peace of mind when it comes to smart charging. So naturally for customers handing over the control of their EV charging and therefore their mobility to a third party causes some level of, of concern. So this needs to be addressed. And we have found that the best way of addressing this is providing customers with the option to override the smart charging process process if required. And around 90% of customers have stated that they find this and this feature important. So okay. yeah, smart charging service providers need to keep those aspects in mind when designing their proposition to try and make it as customer centric as possible. Thanks, Will. Um Carsten and Nick, you've both working with with partners uh, or but I'm sure learning a lot about customer reaction to propositions and different features. How do how do these points chime with you? Is that what what have you learnt from from customers over the last years, and how does this fit with what Will described? Who would like to go first? Okay, Tim, I'm happy to go first. Um, I think we've seen um, a shift in focus actually over the uh, past few years. Um, the first users of EVs and charging stations, they were just focusing on infrastructure. They just wanted to be sure they can uh, charge their car. We now see a shift um, with a focus on smart charging options, exactly like Will said, um, just to benefit from your own PV system to charge your um, car really ecologically friendly with own generated electricity. Um, but 
and I can fully agree with Will's um, statement there. Uh, we have to make sure that the uh, customer doesn't feel overruled. So for us, the most important thing is whenever our app, whenever technology fails, we have to ensure that the EV is actually charging. Hmm. So, and this takes out a lot of um, yeah, reluctance to adapt to those services. And Carson, how often are you finding that customers actually do override the schedule that uh, that your your that you've determined for for the car? On the rare occasion that they're um, you know, that they're required departure time changes, mm. and they are free to do it with an app uh, from wherever they are, and they yeah. can do it as often as they like. But in, in generally, I would say in, in one of four cases, they do that. Right. Okay. So it's an important feature. It's a relatively well-used feature, but most of the time, they're happy to, to let the charging happen when you're scheduled to turn us. Yeah. It's, it's more about creating the good feeling that when, when something goes wrong, that the yeah. car um, has reached the desired state of charge at the required time. Yeah. Okay. Nick, how about you? What, what have you learned about customers over the last years? Yeah, um, I mean, I agree with a lot of what Carsten said and a lot of what uh, Will prefaced the conversation with. Um, the, um, I think what we've learned is there's been, a big uh, there's been a big shift recently from early adopters who love technology, they love these kinds of products and services, they geek out on the stats, and they're happy to put up with some pain when things don't work and stuff like that. Um, and they now what we're seeing is, you know, with the advent of like the Model 3, there's a shift towards uh, a customer base whose needs are slightly different. And so what we've put a lot of focus on is making that process as super simple as possible. So that includes when the user downloads the app, um, if you download it, connect your Tesla, you'll be onboarded to smart charging straight away. We'll tell you and educate you as a customer why smart charging is just the right thing to do. And of course, Customers are being confronted with smart charging, which we know, we, we know what it is, but they have no clue and they just want to know, they want to be advised from us as a, as a, as a service provider that this is the right thing to do and they should enable this and do this day in, day out. And we, our aim is to keep them doing that day in, day out by making it super simple, delivering their car charged by the next morning at super low cost rates, maybe even getting paid to charge if you're on like octopus agile rates mm -hmm. um, and making it as zero carbon or carbon free as possible. And hopefully that then just reassures the customer and gives them a great feeling when they come to use their car and drive it off the next day. Okay, so what you've described there is quite a lot of onboarding, educating the customer, I don't like to say educating the customer, but getting them comfortable with the concepts, uh, casting you refer to making them feel safe there's a lot of behavioral science and uh soft emotional skills involved in that um in terms of the the app design how are you are you finding there are particular blockers or have you uh, come across pitfalls where actually you design something but you've learned mm, customers don't respond well to that or any examples of um, where things haven't quite gone the way you thought they would we yeah, to... I mean, I... Oh, sorry, Carl. sorry, you go first, Nick. Sorry. 
Yeah, I mean, we put it. We put a lot of thought into it. I mean, it's it's an evolution, John. I wouldn't say we've got it right at all. We are. Um, what we have as a capability as a company, we've invested heavily in a customer success team that talks with customers, that can react with issues, but then can also inform future products and services. And we we talk with our customers on a daily basis to learn about what they want, how they're using the app, uh, how they're behaving, you know, what the level of boosting is that customers was talking about before. Um, and use that, use those insights to evolve the service and hopefully make it better and better for the new customers that are coming on board. What what we've learned is um, we try to keep uh, to to keep our app really simple, that the usage is really hassle free. So you just enter three or four values, and uh, the the response time is really important. Um, what we noticed is customer us why do you need us to have the soc upon arrival entered into the app um why can't you read it out of the car and uh, that would be a big advantage if uh, producers of uh, electric vehicles would give that data point free so we could of course we yeah. could read it if it would be uh, free available right yeah uh, do you think that will come Carsten, over time nick you talked about the the hard hard work of going manufacturer by manufacturer to try and get them to open up. What's your, what do you think, Carsten? I, I think uh, we, we will see that. Um, I do believe that especially the Germans will be the the, uh, the slowest offering that data point. Um, I think we've, we see some uh, Japanese companies like Nissan um, already offering this, um, this data point. And I think it's just, uh, it will just happen. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree with Carson. Nick, what about you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree with Carson. I think it will happen. Um, it is. Uh, it's frustrating that you can't unify it across all vehicles, and it's uh, it's it's not a straightforward figure to get hold of. But um, yeah, I think it will happen over time. Okay. Um, I'd like to briefly move on to the third and last topic before uh, we get out the crystal ball. So. In terms of who's going to help customers charge their car at the best time, you both talked about the B2B2C model, so uh, working with partners, be they utilities or others. So if I've got an EV at home, who's going to help me charge it at the best time using one of your two apps or services, I'm sure? Uh, would it be my traditional electricity retailer? Will it be a car company who does it for me? A service provider? A charging specialist? Um, so really interested in what you both are seeing in terms of interest in the market and where you think your customers will be on your B2B2C model. Nick, how about you first on this one? Yeah, so this is a super question, one I get asked an awful lot. So, I mean, I think ultimately the electricity retailer is the default provider in the home, right? When you plug your electric vehicle into your uh, home charger, you are being powered through your electric uh, retailer um, and it's kind of their market to lose um, so they're the guys who will end up billing the customer and I think if they can step forward with innovative offerings and we're seeing definitely some of those in the UK market right now um, then perhaps supported by service providers um, they'll be the guys to deliver these uh, deliver these services in the home 
Of course, a lot of people talk about like car manufacturers and whether or not they could compete in this space as well. They have a massive advantage. They're right in front of the customer when you buy your car, right? Exactly, um, yeah. Which is a huge, huge advantage. But the challenge is a lot of them are global entities and electricity is very parochial and regional. <laughs> so all of the markets yeah, are UK is different to Germany, which is different to France, which is different to the US. US is like several different markets in one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, to so it's a lot of work. Around, for them. Yeah. That's a lot of work, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the electricity okay. supported by service providers. So they're in a good place, it says to lose, but the car manufacturers have the advantage of being in front of the customer for the point of sale. Carsten, what do you think? Same, same as Nick, that it's a, the electricity retailers who are in pole position here, to use a, a racing uh, analogy? They, they could be in pole position. Uh, I would like to chuck in a third player. Um, it's the hardware manufacturers mm. uh, producing wall boxes, um, because I think they've got all it takes. They are installed at uh, in a house, so they know all the other devices, or potentially could know them. And um, they work independently from the cars. So you normally don't change over your house as often as you change over your car. And you basically probably have also a second uh, electric vehicle from a different uh, manufacturer. So they need to communicate. And I think we will see a battle between hardware manufacturer and car manufacturer where the intelligence will be. And uh, I would put my money on the uh, on the hardware suppliers because uh, they are connected to the house. That's my belief. Hmm. Well, I think hopefully plenty of uh, customers for both of you in terms of who need your optimization services. Uh, I I wrote an article a while back saying that I think electric vehicles are potential in some ways the biggest opportunity for electricity companies or electricity retailers. But in another way, they're the biggest potential threat that uh, has been around for a long time to them because uh, they offer a opportunity for others to go into their market. Time will tell. Um, OK, well, let's move on to uh, the Talking New Energy crystal ball. So uh, this week I'm going to set the dial to 2025, so not too far uh, into the future. And we're not going to talk about which company, be it an electricity retailer, a car company, or a wallbox manufacturer, for example. Different question. Um, so for electric vehicle drivers that charge at home, what proportion of them will be smart charging in 2025? Um, so when they plug in, what proportion will have intelligence somewhere, somehow, that will optimize exactly when they charge? Um, Carsten, let's go to you first. I would uh, say the vast majority, so um, 80 plus percent. Okay, so by in, in five years' time, it will be the norm and it will be an exception if you don't charge smartly. Yeah, because most most cars will actually be parked and charged at, uh, at, um, at buildings where you've got um, a lot of parking lots, a lot of parking spaces, um, and they need to communicate uh, with each other. Otherwise, you will have uh, huge blackouts. Yep. Okay. Nick, how about you? Similarly yeah, I mean, optimistic, I, I would guess. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. I mean, I think we should be definitely shooting for figures like 80, 80 90% of people. I think. 
for overnight charging sessions, it makes perfect sense. It should be greener, it should be cheaper, it should be hassle-free by that stage. I also think that the infrastructure as well is just transitioning to becoming smart and connected. So um, although there's a lot of dumb infrastructure out there right now today, the vast majority of EV sales are yet to happen, right? So yeah. I think when they happen in the future to 2025, they will be installed with smart chargers. They will be installed with cars that are connected to the internet. Yeah. Um, and that'll just make it more compelling for customers to smart charge at home on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Will, how about you? Yeah, I think I think to a large extent it, it depends on um, what country you're talking about because smart charging is developing at, at different rates across Europe. But yeah, to, to echo what, what Nick and, and Carson said, I think in the more mature markets, such as the Netherlands or the UK, it, it will definitely be over 80% by 2025. Okay, and last question, the single biggest challenge to get to that 80% plus number? Uh, in a nutshell, what do you think? Uh, the, the biggest challenge is uh, communication protocols and standardizing them. That is, for us, the biggest issue. Yeah, okay. Um, Will, what do you think? Biggest challenge to get to that 80%? Yeah, I think the communication um, protocols are definitely one challenge. I think that the flexibility markets in the different countries um, be, being able to provide access to more disaggregated loads I think that's also a barrier that that you've seen but that is that has been overcome um slowly but surely okay and Nick biggest challenge to reach that 80 percent penetration yeah, I mean, for smart charging uh both both points are extremely valid so when I think about our business plan and how it goes out into the future we obviously want to connect assets and integrate different assets together and they need to be smart and connected so that is a challenge right there but to Will's point like there also needs to be markets and value available um, for smart charging to actually make sense to the customer. Um, and so there's a lot of regulation in the utility industry right now. Um, certainly say in the UK market, if we push ahead with half hourly settlement for electricity retailers, that would make the proposition very compelling for the end customer. If we push forward with distribution service markets, that would also make the, the proposition more compelling for the distribution companies and for customers as well. I think those things have to develop in parallel with the infrastructure getting smarter because otherwise customers won't see the value in doing smart charging. So smart infrastructure, enough value there in propositions that are simple and clear and easy for customers to understand and work with every day. And we'll get to the 80% plus no problem. Uh, okay, well, time's got the better of us. So thanks very much to uh, to you, Carsten, for joining us from Germany. Thanks, John. Thank you to Nick. Thank you, John. And thanks to Will for sharing your expertise. Thanks very much, John. And as always, thanks to you for, uh, thanks to all the listeners for, for joining this episode. And we look forward to welcoming you back next week. Thanks and goodbye. If you're as passionate about the energy transition as we are, then please keep in touch. You can follow us and me on Twitter, LinkedIn, or subscribe to the podcasts on your chosen podcast platform. If you like the podcast and like sharing, then please do rate us. And to listen to archived episodes, to read transcripts, and to see the latest Delta EE insights, 
then please visit www.delta-ee.com. Thank you.